Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be, be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than Kiddos, second grade and below, Miss Susan Attaway is going to be taking y'all to Children's Church. I see one moving. That's probably there's another one. Y'all can meet Miss Attaway right by the back door and go to Children's Church. Y'all have a wonderful morning. The rest of God's children, if you have your Bible or something opens up a Bible, open it up to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Brother Mike, you already preached to this, haven't you? I came, I, I think I shared with y'all. Um, after I felt the Lord leading me to start preaching through 1 Peter uh, several weeks ago, I found out there's a lot of other folks that felt that same leading, including Mike Lawson there at First Baptist 
Sherman, I haven't listened, I mean, I've, I've listened to some of your sermons, but I, I haven't listened to this particular one, so if we're similar, it's not because I copied you, it's, that's how the Lord led us to preach this scripture, right? First uh, Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. I also discovered this week that on our Right Now Media, and if you haven't looked at that lately, I encourage you to go look at that, but they released this children's video series on First Peter, and it's put out by the same guys that created VeggieTales. And the video series is called, Where Do You Find Hope? So it's just awesome. I, you know, the, the message God seems to want God's people to get right now from First Peter in this message of hope. So this is titled, Therefore, dot, 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 because in many ways this message is a sequel to last week's message where we looked at First Peter chapter 1 and those last several verses there in chapter 1. And that's why we always look at this word, when we see this word, therefore, or some of your versions actually start verse 1 of chapter 2 with the word so, it's reminding us of that little joke I shared with you several weeks ago. Whenever you see the word therefore in scripture, we must ask the question, what is it therefore? And I told you, I didn't come up with that. I heard that from another old preacher, and it's probably been, been that way for many, many years. And so thinking about last week and what we looked at in chapter 1, uh, verses 20 through 25, and at that, that word of hope we get from those scriptures, that word of hope given to us about our salvation. And my conclusion was this, because of the word of hope we are given in God's word regarding our salvation, we should be moved to love one another. Because in our salvation we see the great love God had for us, we should therefore be moved to love one another. And so then Peter goes on and says, therefore... Therefore, what? Well, let's read our scripture, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the worship we have experienced up to this point. We thank you for the words of prayers that have been uttered. Lord, preparing our hearts and our minds to receive from you. And Lord, I just want to pray one more time. And we do this uh, not as some sort of superstitious act, but Lord, we pray. We spend this time in prayer because we see our deep, deep need for your hand on our lives Lord, we see your deep, deep need to intervene on my behalf and on our behalf because me just preaching ain't going to do it. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit that is very present in this place to speak to us. And we are desperately in need of a touch from you on our lives. My desire, my hope, my, my prayer, Lord, is that we would not leave this place the same way we walked in, but the Lord, we would be changed from the inside out because of you, because of your word. Lord, please touch us and speak to us this morning. And it's in your name I pray this, Lord Jesus. Amen. And so because this section of scripture, verses 1 through 3, begins with the word therefore, we must see what Peter is connecting us to in the previous section of scripture. He makes this statement, therefore lay aside sin, essentially. He lists these these five different sins, and he says, instead, to desire God's word, if indeed you have been saved. That's essentially what he says in those three verses. Last week's section of scripture ended with some of these same thoughts. In verse 23, there's the statement, having been born again. Here in verse 2, he says, as newborn babies. So there's a connection right there. 
There's a connection. There's also this statement in verse 2 about the pure milk of the Word. He's talking about the Word of God. And if you'll remember, looking at verses 23 through 25, Peter goes on about the importance of God's Word, that it is not corruptible, but it is incorruptible, that while grass will fade away and flowers will die and even man will die, that the Word of the Lord endures forever. And so you have this connection of the pure milk of the Word and the incorruptible Word of the Lord there in those two sections. So there, there you have it as well. But what a verse 1, how Peter actually starts this section off, therefore laying aside this sin. How do we connect that to last week's scripture that we look at? Is it because of the word of God? Is, is that how we connect it? Well, certainly, God's word being enduring, part of that is part of that meaning behind that Greek word of enduring is that it takes up residence in us. And if God's word has taken up residence in us, then there must be a change. And that change is, is that we lay aside, that we put away these dastardly deeds, these sinful actions of malice, of hypocrisy, of envy, and, and so on. Perhaps that's part of the connection. But also in this list of sinful actions that Peter gives us, perhaps we think about the new birth. The new birth in Christ that we should no longer commit these sins. Is that the connection? Well, absolutely. Because we are a new creation in Jesus Christ, we should put off the old and go forward in the new. And so we should be changed. And so part of that new creation is to be holy. You know, just a side note. Whenever we see a list of things that we should put off, we need to make sure we understand that Scripture is calling us to a holy lifestyle separated from the actions of the world. And not to look at that as something else, but instead we see that God is calling us to live above and beyond what the world is saying is acceptable. This is not just some silly little list. It's an important list. Because we are to be different because Christ has made a difference in our life. But I don't think that's the only connection. As you look at this list of sins that Peter calls out, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil, evil speaking, let's look at these five separately real quick, real quick. Malice, what is malice? Malice is a word that refers to a feeling of hostility and strong dislike towards another person. Having malice towards one another refers to a desire for harm to come to that person. Not necessarily physical, though it could be physical, could be emotional. It could be that you see them getting some measure of success and you want that success to end. He goes on and says deceit. Deceit refers to tricking or treachery, tricking another person, not just lying, but just bearing falsehood against them. Then he uses the word hypocrisy. We talked about this, week, this word last week. Hypocrisy is a word in the Greek uh, times, in the times that the Bible was written, that was used for actors. To be a Hippocrates was to be an actor, someone who acted in a drama. They weren't who they really were, they were someone else, and they would wear a mask to hide who they really were. So hypocrisy has to do, again, with deceit, but also acting one way or another way, but never really acting like yourself. Envy is a word that refers to having an ill will towards someone because of an advantage they have over you, whether they have it in reality or you just perceive they have that advantage. 
And then finally, evil speaking. And some of your versions use the word slander, and that's a fine translation. It's a term that refers to anything that harms another person in speech. So it could be slander, it could be gossip, be telling a, a story to ruin someone's reputation, carrying on a bad word about someone else, just evil speaking. And there's all kinds of ways we could apply that. And think about these five terms and how they are related. They're, they really are. They're interrelated. I don't think it, again, is an arbitrary list of sinful actions. God is being very specific here. You see, these are all sins that have to do with our relationships with other people. And last week, that's the thought that I ended with was that because of the word of hope we are given regarding our salvation, verse 22, that we should love one another. That we should love one another sincerely, that we should love one another fervently, and we should love one another with a pure heart. But these five actions, they will keep you from loving one another sincerely, fervently, and with a pure heart. And so I believe because of this, in the context Later in this chapter where Peter is talking again about the body of Christ, about the church, Peter's emphasis is really on the love within the body of Christ. And I've shared with you before, we are called to love the world and we are called to love the body of Christ similarly, but at the same time, that love we have within the body of Christ is set apart. It's a different kind of love. You're a special body to me. And I love you like I love nobody else. In fact, I've made this statement before. The bond of blood that was shed to bring us a part of the family of God is a much stronger bond of the blood that was shed to bring me into the world. Now, that's saying a lot. That's comparing the blood of Christ to the blood of my mama. And I love her, but that blood was not nearly as important as the blood of Christ. And so because of that, we're a special bonded group because of the blood of Christ. And so as we look through this list, again, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking, we think about our relationships within the body of Christ, we must ask ourselves this question, are any of these driving wedges in my relationships in the body of Christ? Now, more than likely, some of you right now are looking at this list and you are honestly evaluating yourself. You, you perhaps are even asking the Lord deep in your heart as I'm talking. You're, you're able to multitask. You're able to listen and also talk to the Lord. That's Praise God, we're given that ability. Perhaps you're asking the Lord something like this. Lord, do I have malice towards somebody in this body of Christ? Lord, have I spoken a word of evil against someone in the body of Christ? Perhaps you're saying, Lord, search me. I want to know. I want to know if I'm doing something to drive a wedge within the body of Christ. And I say, praise the Lord. That's the purpose of God's word is to cause us to seek ourselves, to search ourselves, to, to have God change us from the inside out, and to honestly reflect on what God's word is saying about us. But unfortunately, some of us are thinking this, hypocrisy, huh? Well, that's not me, but I, I sure hope so-and-so is listening to this message. Evil speaking, well, I've never said an evil word in my day, but I sure hope so-and-so hears this. By the way, that's malice. Thinking ill towards someone else. And I hope you understand this application. The truth is, is that God gives us this list because at some point, hear me, every single believer will struggle with one of these five, if not all. And I want to stand with you in honesty this morning and tell you I have. I've struggled with all five of these. 
I have struggled at some point with hypocrisy, with malice, with envy, with evil speaking. Which one did I leave off? All five, all five. Deceit, deceit. I, I have, I've struggled with all five. There isn't a week that goes by that I do not have a fleshly struggle with one of these. And knowing this, I believe this is why the Lord directs Peter to direct us to the source of the solution of our struggle with these fleshly actions. What is it? The Word of God. Therefore, set aside, put aside, lay aside these actions and instead desire the pure milk of God's Word. I love this picture of verse 2. Let's just read it again. As newborn babies desire the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. And if you're like me, maybe at first reading, you have this kind of romantical view of this, this picture, right? As newborn babies desire the pure milk of God's word. And maybe you're picturing that serene moment, a father or mother rocking their newborn baby in the rocker, and they've got a little bottle in their hand, and, and, and there's mood lighting in the background. And maybe you even hear angels humming, Jesus loves you as they're feeding that. How many of you are parents and know what a newborn baby is really like when they are craving milk they do not they do not call from the bedroom and say oh mother father whatever it's in your best interest could you give me a spot of milk I'm a, I'm a tad bit hungry i'm desiring the pure milk and i need it no newborn babies don't do anything like that right what are they when they're hungry what do they do ah! right and the longer you wait to give them that milk the harder they cry the redder their face gets in fact, as parents, we learned this truth. The longer we wait, the less likely they are to drink that milk because they just go, go, go bananas and they can't drink. They can't do anything except they're and cry and scream and yell at you. I used to laugh at myself because as a parent, I would be holding that baby. Yes, I fed the babies from time to time. But as a new, as a new parent, I'd be holding that newborn baby and trying to get the milk ready and all of that and, and heating it up in the microwave yeah we did that and uh, all of that and, and I remember I remember telling this newborn baby you know less than a month or two months or however old they were I remember telling them just hold on I've almost got it just a couple more minutes they don't understand that what do they understand give me my milk and I want it now and the picture I get is that is the same hunger we are to have for God's word does your soul cry out for it? Does your deep desire begin with, God, I need your word? Actually, it does. You may not realize it, but what your heart, what your soul wants above all else is God's word. And it is crying out for it. The question is, are you going to feed yourself with that word. Here's where I'm going with this. Why we end up having the issues of verse 1 is because we're not giving our spirit what it longs for, God's word. You see, when we learn to eat from the word of God, we will be filled up spiritually. But when we don't find the spiritual nourishment that we are called to get from God's word, we begin to look for other sources to fill us up and to feed us. And do you know where we go first? Other relationships. 
our relationships, our relationships within the church, our relationships with other believers, more appropriately, on others. And I know that sounds a little bit cannibalistic, and in a way we are. We become spiritual spiritual cannibals. We begin to look for our earthly relationships to meet the needs of our spirit that only God's word was called and meant to do, was written to do, but instead we're going to other people for that nourishment. It might mean instead of caring about others and asking about how their life is going and genuinely caring about what's going in their life, you instead always direct the conversation back to you. Do you find that in your relationships the majority of the time you end up talking about me? I mean, not me, but you. My wife and I used to joke around about this, that we'd always say, all right, now more about me. Joking that we would sometimes call the conversation to be about us. It could be by having everyone give you the pity that you so desperately desire. It could be by having everyone give you compliments because you want to feel good about yourself. You know, this individual... They get a compliment, and instead of taking it, they say, oh, well, I'm just not that good. And really what they're wanting deep down desire is you to make it even more about them. It could be by having the feeling of being better than everyone else, and so you always have to one-up whatever their accomplishments are. Well, I did this, and you say, well, guess what I did? Your prayer requests are always more important or more needy than everyone else's. Your needs are always more needier and, and so on and so on. And the issue is, is that you want to feel like you are being heard by everyone else. And so you go for that need to be fulfilled from other people instead of reading God's word and understanding the promises of God's word and realizing he always hears you and that's the only person you need to hear you. God's word fills that hunger. Being a spiritual cannibal might mean that instead of being happy for a fellow believer's success in some area of their life, like their job or their family, you are envious to the point you come up with some type of horrible gossip to ruin their reputation. And the goal is, is you want to knock them off their pedestal, so to say. Why? Because you aren't on the pedestal. Because you aren't the center of attention, and you want to be. And the issue really isn't the pedestal. The issue is you've not feasted on God's word and got the spiritual nourishment you get from God's word that you come to the realization that the only pedestal you really need to be on is God's pedestal. Recognizing that he made you, that he loves you very much, so much so that he sent his son to die for you, and that's all the pedestal you really ever should need. So what do you do instead? Instead of getting the nourishment God's word gives to you, you nourish on others, either by bringing harm on them or elevating yourself to a place you're not called to be. And I could go on with this, but I think you understand where I'm going. Our sins against one another are often a result of our being spiritually malnourished. Have you ever heard the word hangry? Hangry, it's a combination of the word hungry and angry. And what it is is that you are so hungry that you get angry at the drop of a hat. Have you ever experienced that? Hey, I have been hangry. I have been like, can we just sit down and eat? I am so stinking hungry, right? I mean, that's when we're sitting around, I mean, my kids can attest to that. Hangry is an emotional condition of being so hungry that you are angry. And when someone is hangry, what do they do? They lash out illogically or otherwise take out their anger on someone or something because why? 
because they are physically malnourished. I really like those Snickers commercials. You're not yourself when you're hungry. Y'all seen those, right? And some of those, some of those show the person is hungry. They're just ugly. They're mean. They're lashing out at everybody. And then they get a bite of a Snickers and then suddenly they're just the normal person. What that's talking about is being hangry. Beloved, you are not the person you were created to be in Jesus Christ when you are spiritually malnourished. You were born again to be one of, one of love for your brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, lifting up our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and not yourself and your needs above everyone else. And we do this because we're hungry. And this is the only thing that can satisfy that hunger. The only solution is to spend time in God's Word. And what does the Lord say? As a result of eating this Word, you will grow. You will grow. Desire God's Word like a newborn desires milk so that you will grow. Funny thing about babies, as long as they are fed and there's nothing medically wrong with them, they grow. It would be really, really weird to see a 30-year-old man walking around here with a diaper on who's in his right mind, and he's like, give me some milk, mama, right? We expect them to grow physically, mentally, emotionally. That's the expectation of God's Word as well, is that we grow. And we don't outgrow. We never, no matter how old we get, we never outgrow our need to be fed. And God's Word is the best thing to grow in. In fact, it's the only thing, really, that can grow us, is having that deep desire for God's Word. And by the way, we've talked at length for several weeks about the verbs in the Greek language and the second person imperative verbs. That word desire is the only second person imperative verb in this section, which means it is the only thing in here that says, this is what you ought to be doing. This is what you need to be doing. What do you need to be doing? Desiring God's word. I don't know if you remember, but I spent 22 weeks preaching through Psalm 119, and we talked about finding our desires met in God's word for 22 weeks. We, I mean, it might have seemed redundant. It wasn't to me because... I love God's Word, and I find my desires met in God's Word. And throughout that, it compared God's Word to gold and honey because those are valuable things. But nothing is as valuable as God's Word and finding your deepest desires met in God's Word. You may be saying, well, how do I get that desire? My friends, action precedes desire. You may be saying right now, I want to want to read the Bible, but I just don't want to read the Bible. Action precedes desire. Make yourself do it. Listen, I didn't want to get up and walk every single day, but I do it. And now there are days that I just long to get out there and get to walking because action precedes desire. Talking about this growth and why God's word is so much more important. You know, let's say after church today, you and I wanted to go to Pickett's house. Picket house, get some fried chicken. I'm about to make everybody hungry, right? Go up to the picket house and get some fried chicken, some chicken and dumplings, some biscuits and gravy, and that cobbler they serve. Boy, that's good stuff. From here to the picket house, it's roughly 12 miles, right? 12 miles. And let's say you decided to drive, but I decided I'm going to walk. Who's going to get there first? You are, right? The one who drives. In fact, 
you will get there. If we leave at the same time, you will get there, you will have eaten, and you will have left, and I might not even be to, be to Doucette, right? I mean, it's, it's 12 miles, and walking 12, I walk pretty fast, but not that fast. Why is that? Because you chose the best method of getting there. Listen, spiritual growth is our goal. This is the best method of spiritual growth. And there are some that have been saved for decades, and they are still spiritual babies. Why? Because they do not find their nourishment in God's Word. Instead, they're just walking along. They're just kind of getting this and that as they go. Instead of getting themselves in to God's Word. And so with that, I want to give you just real quick three points of application that we leave with this morning. Because God's Word is so important. We need to desire God's Word. And God's Word is the best method for our spiritual growth. I want to give you these three quick points. This, this is the now what. Now what do we do? Number one, we need to spend personal time in God's Word. Listen, I know I've hammered on that for weeks and weeks and weeks. God's Word, I'm not going to stop hammering on it. Because God's Word is the best method for spiritual worth. Personal time in God's Word is the best method for spiritual growth. I can't read the Bible for you. I mean, I can, but not like you can read it to yourself. And, and understand that, that this is like dieting, okay? Some of you have noticed I've lost a little bit of weight. I didn't do that by eating one salad one time a week, right? It's actually been an ongoing method. It's been over like four years. It's been this, I'm going to do this every single day sort of mindset. It's not a diet, actually. It's, it's a life. This is it. God's Word is the same way. You can't wake up one day and say, well, let's, let's read the Bible for 15 minutes and then not pick it up again until next week and see some sort of transformation in your life because of it. But it's got to be as regular a routine as you possibly can make it. One meal will not make a difference. One meal will not give you the nutrition that you need. In fact, sometimes you might read the Bible and think, what is this even doing for me? But it is the long-term walk of the Lord through His Word that will grow us in our relationship with Him. This scripture calls us to desire the pure milk of God's work, Word. Why? Because God's Word and milk are the same. They're nutritious. And we need, you know, a long time ago they used to tell you you needed a glass of milk every single day. Some of y'all are like, man, I'm lactose intolerant. Can I get a Bible substitute? Bible substitutes won't do it. Listen, I like open windows, but if you're only reading that one singular verse and not all of the other verses that it gives you to read along with that devotional thought, you're missing the point of open windows. It's supposed to open the window of God's Word into your heart for you to spend time in it and any other devotion. Listen, we don't need a Bible substitute. We don't need a milk substitute. We need the pure milk of God's Word. And in 2018, the sky is the limit for how you can spend time in God's Word. You can literally put an app on your phone, if you've got a smartphone, that will literally read the Bible to you as you take a walk or as you drive down the road. Play it right off of your phone. It will read it in any version. So if you're like New King James or King James only, man, it will read it to you. And you can listen to the thousand and the these and the verilies all you want. And if you're like, man, I want the super, super uh, heavy standard Bible new caught off the press, it's probably on there as well. 
called Bible Gateway. And if you're, if you're sitting here seriously struggling, listen, I just don't know how to get myself personally into God's Word. Listen, my phone is always available for you to call. Give me a call. Give me an email. Come by the office. I, listen, that's what I want to do is I want to teach you how to get into God's Word, but more importantly, to get God's Word into you. Number two, you need small group time in God's Word. Listen, we can call this anything we want, but essentially... It's anything regarding you and another believer. And it cannot be you and then me, myself, and I, right? Small group means at least you and one other person. And this could happen through Sunday school. We've got some wonderful Sunday school classes, and that's a wonderful opportunity for some small group Bible time. It could be our Wednesday night Bible study. That's, again, it's another small group time in God's Word where we are reading and discussing and studying God's Word. And I know you're like, man, I just, I just don't want to. I, I have those days I just want to stay home and work in the yard. I understand that there's days, there's Wednesdays that I want to just stay home and work in the yard. But I make myself go on Wednesday night. You know why? Well, first, y'all pay me to, right? No, it's because I know that when we're done, and that final amen is said, man, there is an encouragement that I feel right here that I know has become it's not because of me, it's not because of another person, it's because of the people of God gathering a word, the word of God, and studying it and encouraging each other in it. You need some small group Bible study time. And if you can't make it on Sunday morning, can't make it on Wednesday night, then find another believer, find me. You know, in essence, what we're calling this, or what we would call this is discipleship. The call of Jesus Christ was for us to go and teach others what Jesus taught us. That's discipleship. That's small group Bible study. And I think in the church, we have done two things in regards to discipleship. Number one, we've neglected it. And number two, we have overcomplicated it. It is not that complicated to just spend time in God's Word with another person, teaching them what God has taught you, praying with them and encouraging one another and holding each other accountable. You do not need a church program to make disciples. You need to understand how important God's Word is and feel that call of Jesus Christ. And finally, church time in God's Word. That's the third application. So you need personal time in your, in your Word. You need a small group time in the Word. And you need church time in the Word. Understand, when the Bible is written, when, when Peter was writing this to these believers, understand this. There was no Bible. There were Old Testament scrolls, and, and then they had some letters that they would circulate around the churches, but nobody had. There was, not a, a, uh, there, was, there was not a new Gentile standard Bible that they could go down to the Lifeway at Corinth and purchase. The only way they could be in God's Word was to go to the public gathering of God's people and hear it read and study it with each other. That's it. And so understand when, when, when Peter and when all the other apostles are encouraging us to be in God's Word, what they're really encouraging us to do is to gather with the body of believers. This is why the church is so important. And this is not just a fellowship. It is a fellowship. This is not just a, a collective group of people, though it is a group of people. It's not just a, a love group. It is. But it's an opportunity for us to gather together around God's word and say, God, speak to us this morning. And why is this so important? He says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. I know I'm short on time, but 
Let me just sum it up like this. Your desire for God's word is a confirmation that you have been born of God. And, and this is not meant to be legalistic, but it's just a confirmation, like I said. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You could also say it like this, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Understand who Peter is talking to at this point. He's talking to persecuted Christians. They're not down on their luck. They're not experiencing some sort of, uh, of personal downturn in their life. They are being beaten and killed and run out of cities because they wear the name of Jesus Christ. And in the midst of that, Peter is not sitting there saying, Jesus loves you and God loves you and that's all you need to know and be encouraged in that. What is he saying? You need to stop sinning against each other and you need to desire God's word. This is what you need. If you have tasted the Lord is gracious. And that call is still the same in 2018. In the midst of your trials, in the midst of your hardships, you need to confirm. Have you found God gracious? Then put aside, lay aside those sinful actions and come together loving each other and desiring God's word. And so that may be the question that you need to leave with this morning or as we close, close with this morning. Have you tasted that the Lord is gracious? Have you been born again? Have you been bought by Jesus Christ and saved by Jesus Christ? The Bible emphasizes this over and over, that we need to be saved. How are you saved? That you confess with the, Lord, the mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. We want to encourage you, we're going to have a time of invitation time where the music plays, time for you to respond, that you respond to this message, to God and his message for you this morning. Would you bow with me? Have you tasted that the Lord is gracious? Have you tasted that the Lord is good? Have you tasted of the salvation of Jesus Christ? Praise the Lord if you can say yes to that. I encourage you to pray during this time of invitation and response. Otherwise, I want to encourage you during this time of invitation to speak to God about that. Come forward. I'll be happy to talk to you. Kenneth is up here. My wife is up here. Uh, Brother Mike is happy probably to talk to you as well. Uh, if you want to know what it means to be saved and to taste that the Lord is, is good, and have this desire for God's word in your life. Maybe you are born again. Maybe you are saved and you're just like, man, I've been, I've been living some malice out against my brethren. I've been doing some evil speaking against my brothers and sisters in Christ. Let this be a time of confession and repentance for you during this time of invitation. We just pray that God's will would be done in you. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the, the spirit in this place. Thank you for the freedom to, speak, uh, to, to preach. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your gracious salvation. I pray, Lord, that your will would be done this morning. And it's in your name I pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing? 300.